0: This is a Triple J Podcast. <laughs> hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. It's good to be back. I want to know, how much do you rely on your smart device? Obviously, a lot. If you've got a smartwatch, I'm sure you're checking it all the time. How do you feel about your watch or your phone keeping track of your mental health? Because it's part of Apple's latest update, which is rolling out. Is there anything to it? Like, could mood tracking improve your life? Or should we just be worried about more really personal information being handed over to tech giants? We're going to be getting into this in a bit. Also coming up, we're going to take you through these allegations against comedian Russell Brand. I mean, conspiracy theorists have jumped all over it. We're going to explain what is happening there. And also, you're going to hear why pandas around the world are suffering jet lag. Same as me (laughs) right now. First, though. Hack. Australia's a safe place. And
1: when things like this happen, it just makes it all the more shocking.
0: On Triple J. Two uni students stabbed on campus. I'm going to be honest, when I heard this news come through, I assumed it was another story of violence out of the US. But it wasn't. It was right here in Australia, in Canberra at ANU. Two female students are in hospital. One of them's in a serious condition. Two male students were also attacked, didn't need to be taken to hospital. What has happened here and how are students at ANU dealing with all of this? Well, Hack reporter Chantelle Alcourie's been looking into it. She's with us now from Canberra. G'day, Chantelle. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me, Dave.
0: What do we know about what has happened here?
2: Well, to be honest, I had the same feeling as you when I got that notification on my phone. I was kind of driving past ANU and police have now come out. They've said that this was a 24-year-old man who hit a male student on the head with a frying pan. He then allegedly stabbed a female student multiple times before chasing and stabbing a second female student. Police have alleged that he then approached a fourth student and punched him in the face. Now, this was all happening just before 3pm yesterday. It apparently took less than... Than 30 minutes. Those two 20 year old female students are now in hospital. One remains in a serious but stable condition. The other is in a stable condition. Now, he was charged this morning for attempted murder, assault, and going armed with a weapon with the intent to kill. Police say they still don't know what the motive of the attacks were, but here's what they had to say a little bit earlier. I'm unable to comment on the man's um, mental health status, um, but that is currently the subject of the police investigation. I can confirm the man has had prior interactions with police but because the man has not appeared before the court I'm, I'm unable to confirm
0: his criminal history. Right, so that was police talking earlier this morning. What's ANU had to say about this, Chantel?
2: Yeah, they've obviously been rocked by this event. They've confirmed that two of the victims were international students and two were domestic. We heard from the Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Sally Wheeler, a little earlier today. She says there's going to be additional security measures taken in the wake of this attack. That'll be things like additional patrols around campus, so... That students and staff in the immediate aftermath of all of this feel safe but she kept stressing that this was an isolated incident. She called it an extremely rare event. Obviously we haven't heard of something like this like you said. It's something you really hear about happening overseas rather than at universities here. So uh, she, she also went on to praise staff and students that helped and tried to protect others. She said that some stepped in to shepherd others out of the way of what was happening Uh, Other staff stepped in to offer first aid. She says they're going to be recognised by the uni. We also know that the federal government has offered ANU with whatever Commonwealth support is needed.
0: Right. I I mean, I reckon students would be really shaken up knowing this has happened uh, so close to home. It's terrifying. What have students had to say today?
2: Yeah, so we heard from the ANU Students Association President, Ben Yates. He's been in that position for five years, so he knows um, a lot of the students really well. He says that heaps of them are really upset and angry. He called this a terrifying act of violence and says that the effects of this incident, of course, will continue to be felt in the community. He says that students feel a lot of resentment and feel threatened when the safety that they should be feeling at their university is broken and that a lot of that anger is aimed towards the perpetrator and that feeling of not feeling safe when they should. Here's some of what he had to say.
3: Students need to be able to feel safe on campus. This is where they study, this is where they learn. For many students, this is also where they live. Many students are upset and angry
0: about the incident yesterday. This is understandable. My message to students is to look after each other and seek support if you need it. We'll definitely be keeping people across the developments in this one. We appreciate you taking us through it, Hack Reporter Chantelle Alcouri. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Dave. Hack. You can log your emotion that you're feeling right now, or your mood for the whole entire day on Triple J. If you've got an iPhone, you've probably heard about the latest software updates that are rolling out. iOS 17, a few new features. One that's grabbing a bit of interest is a mental wellbeing and mood tracker. Now, it basically involves you logging how you're feeling in the health app on your phone or your watch. And we know that smartphones and watches already collect a whole bunch of info about your heart rate, about your temperature, breathing, exercise. Not just Apple. It's a big industry. Maybe you've got a wearable that tracks your stress levels. How do you feel about it? Like, do you think it's a good thing that our devices are moving in on mental health? Or maybe you'll be steering clear because it kind of freaks you out a bit? Let me know. In a bit, we're going to speak to someone about what all of this means long term. But first, here's Nathan Nigidula to bring us up to speed. Eight years ago, Apple shook up the industry when they released the Apple
4: Watch, a device that could track your steps, heart rate, and even sleeping patterns all on your wrist. Smartwatches have exploded since then, with companies competing for innovation. And this year's generation of smartwatches claim to take things a step further. In iOS 17, the Health app is getting mental health tracking, and it is honestly my favorite new feature for iOS 17. I want to show you how to work with the mental health and mood functionality now built into the Health app. That's right. There's a new generation of smartwatches that can tell you about your mental health. But how does this even work? And is it accurate? I spoke to dr matthew amati the deputy director of the wearables hub at the university of sydney he said when it comes to measuring things like your steps and calories today's smartwatches are better than ever
1: the wearables of today are very different from the wearables of say five or even three years ago because with the pace of technology improving so quickly now we're rapidly seeing greater measurement accuracy in these wearables but when it comes to mood it's a different story. Mood is a very subjective and complex dimension. So to say that we can accurately measure mood, we'll have to be really narrow and specific on what we want to measure. There are some types of behavioral states we can measure based on the variability in your heart rate, in your breathing, on your skin temperature, your sweat and your uh, respiration. From those, we can then infer mood. So basically, because human emotions are so complex,
4: Smartwatches measure tangible things like heart rate and sweat, and then they kind of guess how you're feeling.
1: We're taking physiological signals, and from that, inferring a behavioral state. So it, it's not a direct um, one-to-one direct measurement, it's more so a proxy measurement at this point in time. Dr. Amadi says, if you're getting a
4: smartwatch to track your mood, maybe consider why you're doing it first.
1: I would not say um, anybody should go to buy a smartwatch to monitor their mood in replacement of seeing professional. Instead, what smartwatches are great
4: for is measuring long-term health trends that you can take to your GP if you're concerned.
1: Buy a smartwatch if you feel like it's going to have good utility for you as a person in your day-to-day life. If there's particular things you want to track and measure over time while having the functionality of a watch, that might be a good reason. I wouldn't say they're going to replace medical opinion. I would say they would help to inform medical opinion. Maybe
4: one day smartwatches will get better at tracking mental health, but we still need more innovation in the space. Hack on Triple Jack.
0: Nathan Niggy there, getting a few messages through, people's opinions on whether they'd be up for this. Up for mental health being a big part of smart devices, someone says, no thanks, they're not keen at all. Another person says, I'd be okay with this intense data collection if it was stored locally in your phone instead of on Apple's big servers. So should we be worried about it? What do we think about keeping data on our mental health? Someone who's been looking into this is Xanthi Lowe-Brown, a PhD candidate at the Centre for AI and Digital Ethics at the Uni of Melbourne. Hey, Xanthi, thanks for coming on Hack.
5: Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It sounds like this new feature is more about people logging their own mental health feelings and the devices keeping track of that. Are there risks, though, with this kind of data being collected by the big tech companies?
5: Yeah, so with any healthcare app that collects users' emotion data, there are ethical risks. So in general, emotion data could be used for targeted advertising or it could be vulnerable to getting hacked. Um, the monetization of large data sets is also a big concern in the digital ethics space. And this is actually what I'm researching as part of my PhD. So I'm investigating the benefits and the risks of providing emotion and personality data to music streaming services. For the purposes of enhancing well being. So, watch this space.
0: Yeah, there's a lot happening in this area, and I imagine we're gonna be hearing heaps more about it in the years ahead. What is Apple's data privacy policy like? Like, is there any chance that this data is gonna be accessed?
5: Yeah, according to Apple Health's privacy policy, Apple will only share users' emotion data with third parties if users explicitly give permission to do so. Um, and states that third parties must not sell this data or use it for advertising or marketing. Uh, and another comforting factor is that Apple health data is end-to-end encrypted, which means that Apple can't read users' individual health data. Now, in saying that this is a good data protection policy, Apple doesn't have a perfect track record. In our article, we talk about how Apple was recently fined 12 million US dollars by French authorities for collecting users data for advertising without their consent.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a history there that people should be aware of. But, you know, um, some people might take a lot of comfort in the privacy policy. I guess it's interesting as well that they're going down this self-reporting route. Like, it's not Apple saying that the phone or watch is predicting your mood. You're kind of keeping a log. But I guess there are other devices, other companies around the world that are moving into this space. Do you think we're going to be seeing, Xanthi, a lot more of that in, in the coming years?
5: Mm, Potentially. Uh, I think Apple has chosen to go for the self-report method of measuring users' emotions because they might be in tune with recent research which suggests that we can't reliably deduce how someone is feeling based on biometric data, such as their heart rate or their facial expression. So I think we might see a lot of um, healthcare apps turning to this self-report method.
0: Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this. We appreciate your insight into it. Xanthi Lowe-Brown from the Centre for AI and Digital Ethics. Thanks for coming on Hack. Thanks, Dave. And on the text line, Angie Nui says, I pay to track my mood on an app. It's helped my mental health. Ange saying it definitely worked for her. It wasn't Apple, though. She said it was a different, different company altogether. Another person says, how much more information do you want to provide the big companies? and someone else. Most of our mental health problems are due to phones and technology, so now to manage our mental health, we should be getting more tuned in. All right, time to move on. Hack.
6: Three British media companies are investigating serious sexual assault allegations levelled against comedian and actor Russell Brand.
3: On Triple J.
0: Just a warning we are about to speak about sexual violence allegations there russell brand there's a lot of talk about him at the moment and it's not good you might know him as a comedian you might know him as Katy perry's ex whatever the case you've probably heard about these allegations of rape of sexual assaults over years Russell Brand has denied any wrongdoing, but women are still coming forward. And it's all taken a strange turn because now conspiracy theorists are jumping on board. Why? Well, let's find out. Riley Stewart is an ABC journalist in our London bureau. He's been looking into these allegations and he's with us right now. G'day, Riley. Thanks for coming on Hack.
3: Hey, Dave. Good to be here. Can you take us through what Russell Brand's being accused of? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a range of things really, and you touched on a couple of them before. The the most serious accusations against him are rape and sexual assault, and he's also been accused of things like emotional bullying as well. Now it really comes down to four key women whose story was told at the weekend by a couple of different media outlets in the UK. Uh, I'll I'll tell you the the two most serious allegations. One of them is that a, a woman claims that Russell Brand raped her at his Los Angeles home in 2012 and another woman claims that Brand groomed her when she was 16 years old and in secondary school. So that is an important distinction to make because the laws are slightly different in the UK. So the age of sexual consent is 16, so she is old enough to be able to consent. But her complaint is not, you know, that she was raped. Her complaint was that he groomed her uh, when she was a very young girl. There was a really, really key part to that allegation that came out yesterday as well, which is that she did an interview on a BBC radio program and she claimed that the BBC had actually sent a car a chauffeur driven car to her school to pick her up and take her to Russell Brand's house when she was 16 years old and he was in his early 30s now at that time uh, Russell Brand would have been a radio presenter on the BBC so we're kind of hearing quite serious allegations at the moment about somebody who although he's he's an interesting case he's not he's not really what you'd call a Hollywood A lister at the moment but He certainly has been in the past and, you know, the reasons that he's not in that set anymore is down to his own choices.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he definitely is a really controversial figure already. What kind of impact do you reckon this is likely to have on his career? The thing is
3: is that you can't put Russell Brand in the same category as other famous people, other comedians, other movie stars. I mean, yeah, 15 years ago he was in Hollywood Hollywood movies and, um, you know, he was presenting shows on commercial television or, or you know, mainstream radio stations. But for the last 10 years, he's really taken an enormous step back from that world. It's really critical because when things like, allegations like this, very, very serious allegations like this come out against famous people, you know, usually famous men, we talk about getting cancelled. And when we talk about getting cancelled, essentially what we're talking about is mainstream production houses, companies and audiences not consuming any more of your content. Well, Russell Brand more or less cancelled himself 10 years ago. Once upon a time, he did interact with big movie companies and big radio stations and big TV networks, but he doesn't do that anymore. And so it's not as if he can have a new series that's coming up get cancelled or something like that just because of these allegations. It also has led to those conspiracy theories that you mentioned before, which it's kind of complicated, but it's all intertwined.
0: Yeah, conspiracy theorists are jumping all over this.
3: Like, I've seen a heap of coverage already. What are they saying? So, you know, Russell Brand is always presented himself as a man of the people. And years ago, that was quite a left-wing thing. You know, he'd be taking aim at the establishment or big companies and things like that. Somewhere along the line, he's really drifted a long way right. And now he still presents himself as a man of the people. It's just a very different type of person. So, He spends his days broadcasting, um, you know, he's got three podcasts, he's got huge audiences on YouTube, TikTok, um, Instagram, a conservative video platform called Rumble that he broadcasts on every night to hundreds of thousands of people. So when he denied these allegations, it's important to remember, Russell Brand denies all of these allegations. He put out a video on Friday on various different online channels Denying everything and also questioning what motives could be behind these allegations. And that's really is what set the conspiracy theorists off, being, well, this is just big media companies and mainstream media having a crack at Russell Brand because he's too successful. That's what they're arguing. I mean, it's really far-fetched, and he's he's gained some support from people like Elon Musk, people like Tucker Carlson, who used to be on Fox News and is very outspoken and, you know, has been in the headlines recently for a bunch of misinformation he'd broadcast on Fox. So it's really important to remember when we hear about these things like conspiracy theories that it's not too hard to unpick them, Dave, because... People like Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson have an enormous amount of skin in the game here, right? Like Elon Musk owns a major competitor to mainstream media in that he runs a social media platform. He has skin in the game. Tucker Carlson has skin in the game. He used to be a darling of the mainstream media burbling away on Fox News. Since they dumped him you know, he's had to turn to streaming platforms too. So, of course, he is going to say that the mainstream media is bad. I mean, it used to pay his bills and now it doesn't anymore. So, I think when we look at these conspiracy theories, they really, that is just what they are, conspiracy theories. And Russell Brand lives in that parallel universe now, but it wasn't, that long ago certainly in living memory that you know he was part of the mainstream too well
0: it's definitely a story that we're going to be hearing so much more about in the weeks months ahead we do appreciate you taking us through it riley stewart abc journalist in london thanks so much for coming on hack thanks dave and remember if this story has raised any issues for you you can always Go for help to 1-800-RESPECT. Lifeline is always there as well. They're on 13 11 14. Hack. Panda diplomacy
3: has long been Beijing's way of expressing goodwill, but now researchers believe the practice could be giving the black and white bears a type of jet lag on Triple Jack.
0: There's a story out today that really hit with me. Giant pandas around the world are probably suffering jet lag. And when I read that, I could only think one thing. Same. Because I'm also in the throes of jet lag right now, pushing through. Obviously, the pandas are not suffering from massive Kentucky tours that they've been on through Europe. It's got to do with their body clocks just not matching up with where they're living. And pandas are everywhere around the world. Like you just heard, there's a thing called panda diplomacy where China loans pandas to other countries, including Australia to help boost relationships. But some of the animals really struggle and now we're starting to understand more about why. Christine Gandia is a researcher who's been looking into this. She's a PhD student at the University of Stirling in the UK and is with us now. Christine, thanks for coming on Hack. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you explain how this study worked?
6: So <clears throat> we were able to collect data, on, behavioral data on 11 giant pandas for a whole year. And what we did was try to get a 24 hour cycle, an estimate of a 24 hour cycle every month or a daylight cycle, because some of them couldn't be observed at night. But uh, this way we were able to get um, these across the seasons, and we could see how their behavior changed and uh, across the year, and also between latitudes that matched or mismatched. So a matched latitude was uh, so pandas have a natural range, uh, natural historic range, which uh, goes from 26 to 42 degrees north, and then that's also mirrored in the south. Uh, 26 to 42 degrees south. So anything outside of those ranges would be considered mismatched.
0: Right. And so what did you find about how the pandas were dealing with being in these other environments?
6: So uh, the pandas that were mismatched, which were for our study, um, pandas that were more towards the poles. We didn't get any pandas outside of the range that were towards the equator. But the ones that were towards the poles with with more extreme seasons, uh, we saw that their activity levels uh, decreased. And this was uh, particularly prominent during winter months, so between December to March, right, leading up to their breeding season and their migratory season. And they also had more, the, the ones that mismatched latitudes also displayed more, uh, well, more sporadic, so more scattered abnormal behaviours, which would be pacing.
0: Interesting. I mean, is this something we've been hearing a lot about over the years, about pandas in zoos around the world really suffering a lot and potentially having to be sent back to China?
6: So this is, um, we wouldn't, we Sorry, the main purpose of the study was to look at the latitudinal uh, location. So uh, those latitudes will have a lot of other countries outside of China that would still match those climatic conditions and environmental conditions. So it's more about um, being aware of how your environment can affect your animal. And this is something that's applicable to all animals in zoos because... Essentially, most animals, including humans, have these circadian clocks and internal clocks.
0: I was going to ask, like, how do you think this research might be able to help how not just pandas, but other animals are cared for in zoos?
6: So we would want to try to make conditions that are more natural to their to their clocks. So let's say lighting and temperature. So lighting is going to change throughout the year um, and the amount of daylight that we get. So if you can try to mimic that in an artificial environment, then you're more likely to have your animals synchronizing properly to their to the external environment to have these natural rhythms which are adaptive. And this is Uh, Something that's really common here in in Scotland, uh, where where we have our university, uh, because a lot of people experience seasonal affective disorder. So in the winter, it's very dark. And uh, yeah, people get sad. (laughs) And so the way to compensate for that is to try to get uh, like these, the the lamps or vitamin D pills uh, or just trying to be active at normal hours. So this is something that uh, all animals experience when they don't synchronize properly to their environment.
0: And I mean, Christine, it must have been pretty stressful as well carrying out this research. It was pretty intense stuff that you were doing over the COVID period as well. How did you find carrying out the research?
6: Oh, yes. (laughs) So we had uh, 12 other students, aside from myself, that were collecting data. And the other students, we didn't have them collecting data in those overnight hours. Those were my responsibility between midnight to 6 a.m., Uh, belong to me. But yeah, uh, much like yourself, um, ironically talking about jet lag for jet lagged pandas, I was uh, advocating for healthy circadian rhythms while completely destroying my circadian rhythm for a year and a few months straight. (laughs) So it was I definitely felt for for the animals watching them overnight. Um, But yeah, overnight, I mostly just saw them sleeping, which was still quite cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's you've got you've got to bit of both there it's pretty stressful but you get to hang out with pandas a lot that's amazing like you say I feel like I'm on the back of um, some jet lag at the moment and honestly at any time we'd be sympathizing with the pandas but now more than ever I can feel the pain pushing on towards the end of the first hack back but Christine Gandia (laughs) from the University of Stirling very much appreciate your time thanks for coming on and breaking all that down Thank you. (laughs) We've got some messages through on the text line as well. Ben, from Port Augusta, used to live in Adelaide, says Adelaide is smack bang in the middle of the pandas' latitude range, so please do not hassle Adelaide. No, we're not hassling Adelaide. We're not hassling anyone, but we're just finding out how animals are coping in other conditions, and it sounds like that research is uh, really promising. It could lead to some massive developments there in how zoos care for animals. That is all we've got time for on Hack for now, but, hey, just a bit of an update Before we go, we have some exciting news for the hack team, actually, that I'm really happy to bring you. You might remember our climate change podcast, Who's Going to Save Us? Joe Lauder brought you all kinds of takes on how we're going to deal with the climate crisis, interviewed fascinating people. Who's Going to Save Us has won a big global award covering Climate Now Journalism Award in New York massive joe lord is actually in new york now so huge congratulations to joe lauder and the who's gonna save us team massive effort there and remember if you want to go listen to who's gonna save us it is available wherever you get your podcasts it's great and you know there's so much there that's still relevant now it's definitely worth a listen we're still getting many messages through both on the russell brand story someone saying he has an enormous audience and posts every day he's not on the down low he's active and posting all the time and also on your smart devices tracking your moods. someone says it's a no from me we saw how cambridge analytica messed with people with facebook's permission there are great apps that can help track mood and mental health why give it to a megacorp that was from rainer And another person, I think the biggest concern is uh, with data collection is insurance companies getting it and discriminating against people for travel health. That was from Chloe. And that's all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. I'll catch you next time. Hack
3: on Trivial Jack.